1: In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada Land, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to Canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners, Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode of CanadaLand is brought to you by Endy, the Canadian mattress in the box and the best priced, most excellent mattress in a box you're going to find. Use the promo code CanadaLand to get $50 off of any Endy mattress. Check it out at endy.ca CanadaLand. This episode is also brought to you by Paytm Canada. With the Paytm Canada app, you can manage, track, and pay all of your bills using a credit card, bank account, or Paytm cash. While you're at it, you can get up to 15% cash back on popular retail brand gift cards. Download Paytm Canada and use the code (music) CanadaLand. Freelance reporter Graham Gordon, uh, who is on the Patrick Brown beat for CanadaLand. Hello. Hey, Jesse. It is your job to untangle the media side of this story. And I think every time you untangle it, it gets tangled again.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I started working on the story last Monday. And by the time we ended up publishing the story, it was Friday. I think the, the plot had thickened probably seven or eight times by then. So,
1: Today we're going to talk about Patrick Brown, Patrick Brown, and Patrick Brown. <laughs> Forgive us. This episode of Shortcuts is brought to you by Tim Sin, Wally Wilson, Becky Salmond, Zane, Brian Jackson, Harry McKay, Montana Mills, and Catherine Mansfield.
0: I'm Catherine from Yellowknife, and I support Canada Land because, well, because you're pretty funny. I would just love it now if you could turn your sights to the financial press and do some digging there.
1: This episode is also brought to you by ND Mattresses. Uh, Graham, I imagine when this is done, you will need a good long sleep.
2: I will, yes. (laughs) Well, let me recommend to
1: you. A Canadian sleep brand, and if that does not stir your patriotic heart, the Canadianess of Endy makes it the cheapest, bestest mattress out there because you're not paying for currency conversions or all kinds of duties and shipping. It is the best-priced and highest-rated mattress you are going to find. It is headquartered in Toronto. Of course, the shipping is free. You get to try it out for 100 nights. If you don't like it, they take it back for free. They give it to a charity. And I would love to tell you that I love my Endy mattress, but uh, they are supplying everyone else here with one. Freelancers included? Well, you have my word that I will ask them whether or not freelancers are included, uh, and I suspect the answer is no. However, Graham,
0: yes, you, you yes will so. find that if you are <laughs> in the in
1: the in the mood to pay for a mattress, uh, there isn't a cheaper, better mattress out there. So go to andy.ca/CanadaLand and have a look at their well-priced mattresses and use the offer code CanadaLand to get 50 bucks off. Okay, Graham, we're going to divide this up three ways. Uh, First, we're going to talk about the highly contentious original CTV investigation into these uh, allegations of sexual impropriety of various kinds against Patrick Brown. That story is now under massive pressure. CTV is standing behind it. We're going to get into the weeds on that. After that, we're going to talk about Patrick Brown's PR campaign crisis communication strategy because this is like a super rare opportunity to watch a crisis communication strategy play out in real time. And so we can actually do kind of an autopsy of that. Yeah,
2: I don't think a PR strategy usually the campaign is waged this long, right? It's unprecedented, I think.
1: Finally, yeah, let's look at the social media reaction outside of the of the industry news bubble. Uh, is the public buying this? What are they buying? And, uh, and who's a bot? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to do our best. And hopefully this will not be obsolete 10 minutes after we record this. Yes, fingers crossed. We'll see. <laughs> okay, you dug into the original CTV report by Glenn McGregor and Rachel Ayo.
0: Tonight, in an exclusive report, two women have come forward accusing the leader of Ontario's Progressive Conservative Party, Patrick Brown, of sexual misconduct. Brown categorically denied these claims late tonight. The women were both teenagers at the time of the alleged abuse... And neither wanted their faces on camera. CTV's senior political correspondent, Glenn McGregor, has the details. And a warning, some of the language is very graphic.
1: I guess let's start with what new information you found. And I I think for shorthand's sake, we are not going to be able to offer, if we try to summarize everything that's happened so far, that would be the episode. So we are assuming a certain amount of knowledge about these accusations. But we'll do our best.
2: What did you find out? That there was actually a third accuser. Uh Um, CTV decided, I guess, not to use them because of their open support for the the Ontario Liberal Party.
1: Now, you have that right from CTV. I do, yes. Now, CTV, like, of course, when we uh, are trying to... Have a look at uh, another journalist's uh, process, you ask the journalist, but because Patrick Brown has said he's going to sue CTV, this story is like being treated very, very carefully, and those reporters can't speak on the record about it, and when you get comment from CTV, you're getting comment from a CTV lawyer, right?
2: From their one spokesperson. Okay. Uh, Yeah, Matthew Garrow. Okay. Yeah.
1: And Garrow was the one who told you we actually had a third young woman accusing Patrick Brown of some kind of sexual impropriety. I thought that was really interesting. Like, I totally get their reasoning if you... You know, you know that people are going to say that this is all a liberal plot to take down Patrick Brown, and if one of your accusers is in any way liberal-connected, that will be a weakness, not of the storyness, Like, is this story that Patrick Brown did these things, or is the story that many people say he did? And there's an interesting line they're playing with of saying, like, we are going to basically accept that we have a vested interest in these accusers' allegations themselves holding up, but we're going to omit this one accuser's account so that the story has a greater chance of being believed it's an mm-hmm. interesting thing for journalists to play with like you, you don't want to be out there with sources that who aren't credible or whose stories don't hold up but you're not your sources advocate or lawyer you're not there as their pr person representing that their story is you know you, you do your best to check it and then if this is a story about people accusing patrick brown of sexual impropriety there are three women not two
2: Yeah, I would have thought it would be a stronger piece to have a third accuser, right? But, I mean, I don't know the details of her story either, but I guess they wanted to run a story where it wouldn't appear that there was any conspiracy, right? Okay, so they're standing by their story even though... As our listeners
1: know, uh, details of the first two accuser stories, most notably this detail that from the one accuser that she originally believed that she was in high school at the time of the alleged yeah. sexual impropriety. And she's since said, no, uh, I had that wrong.
2: Yeah. And it's understandable that she might get some of the details wrong, right? For a couple of reasons. One would be that the alleged incident happened 11 or 10 years ago. And then also uh, if she had this traumatic experience, right, sometimes your memory can be affected as well. I I mean, even without trauma, I think that absolutely that's true of trauma. And even without trauma,
1: if you ask me about like social interactions, notable social interactions, pleasant or unpleasant in the past, and I had to give you like, how old was I when that happened? I'm I'm not going to give you accurate
2: information. The The other thing too is she, she was drinking, right? Like, I don't think this has been discussed enough either that both of these women said that they were... Very intoxicated, right? So their memories of these incidences aren't going to be that clear, right? Like, uh, listen, I mean, look, I, I, can, I agree
1: with you. I, you know, and I think that there's this like the core thing at, at, at the basis of this uh, is whatever the journalists did, were these women put up to it, as Patrick Brown uh, claims, or are they telling the truth? I know what I think about that, and I, you yeah. know, I, I don't know if we're going to convince anybody who feels otherwise. But in terms of CTV's responsibility with this, it did catch my attention to think that like, as soon as you're putting together a, an investigation about things that happened years ago, I would think that journalists would start to establish a timeline. And one thing that CTV has been dinged for all over is that they uh, did not do their due diligence, it is it is uh, said, in not verifying the actual dates of this and putting that against her birth date to see how old, in fact, she was. Because it's a big difference saying that he did this to a minor, um, somebody who was uh, under legal age for drinking and whatnot, and somebody – like, that one year, even if it might be a difference of months, it changes yeah, the headlines. It's, yeah,
2: it's pretty – devast. that was a pretty devastating detail, right, within the initial story, so – I have held um,
1: off on joining in the chorus saying that they really fucked that one up because I don't know what information they had at the time and what tools they had to verify that or not. Yeah. Okay, and then another thing, of course, that uh, the story has come under fire for is uh, that Rachel Iao, who shared the byline with Glenn McGregor on that story, is said to have some sort of social friendship with one of the accusers. I think we stated elsewhere on, on this podcast that, like, I mean, I, I found that to be, like, kind of a red herring in that... If you were to interrogate any story out of Ottawa for whether or not the journalist has some sort of social connection to the source, you're going to find that like a high volume of stories, that's where a lot of journalists get their information from, is, oh, I know somebody who knows something about that.
2: Yeah, and I in my story, I made a point of talking to a, a Carleton journalism prof, and he he kind of pointed that out, right? Like, uh, everyone kind of knows everyone in Ottawa, right? It's, it's a tight-knit uh, community. You know, right? Like the the political and uh, journalism community, right? Like a
1: lot of overlap, yeah. And uh, trace things back to college and stuff like that. You know. I think that it's a fair point to make that, like, at the least, you know, best practice would be that if you have some social relationship with your source, you should disclose it. And here, of course, I have a very similar situation to Rachel Ayo in in covering the Gameshi story. What do you do when you want to disclose that you know a source? You don't think that that friendship has anything, has any conflict in practical terms, but in disclosing the friendship, you are exposing your source. In my case, I just let the star know that Catherine Burrell was a friend of mine. Can we use her story or not, yeah. given that? And they said, we still think that this is usable. And I think that that's exactly what happened with Rachel Ayo. Apparently, she was absolutely forthright to CTV that she had this social relationship. Yeah. It was vetted. And that's what I think a lot of people don't realize is like CTV vetted this story.
2: Heavily. Yeah, and, and she's the junior reporter on that story, right? And yeah. she, she has a byline on the the story up on the website, right? But Glenn is the one who did the reports- on the nightly newscast, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure that they took steps to make sure that her personal relationship with the one source wouldn't have influenced the reporting, right? Right, you'd assume
1: that Glenn would go and re-interview the person, make sure there was no... uh... I have a couple bones to pick with CTV's uh, job on this, and you tell me if you think they're fair. The second accuser, you know, she talks about find herself alone in a room with Patrick Brown and him putting the moves on her, ending up on top of her. She could feel his erection through his pants. She wanted to get out of there. But she is quoted in the story as saying, like, as a matter of her opinion, she thinks this was sexual assault. And I feel like CTV did not do her any favors in leaving that in because there's a pretty big difference between sexual impropriety and sexual assault, a crime. The story changes when essentially it becomes Patrick Brown is accused of sexual assault. And that all gets burden on her shoulders, that she's the one alleging that. In a, I think, a circumstance that some people would say that qualifies and some people say that it doesn't. And it amps up the story to a level that is a very different story than saying we have information on, you know, it's long been rumored that Patrick Brown is kind of, what's the word here, skeezy with young
2: women? (laughs) It's a different story. Yeah, I I would say it is because... The way she describes it, when she didn't reciprocate, eventually Brown stopped and and took her home, right? So Uh,
1: The other thing that I think that CTV can stand some criticism for is the lack of transparency and accountability since the story came under fire. CTV, uh, last time I checked, has not corrected online the misreporting of the first accuser's age. Mm -hmm. I think that this is a ripe occasion. This is a teachable moment, Graham, where they might have said, look, the story is still good. We know we're under a lot of pressure. Here is how we got here. Here is as much as we can tell you about our process as to why we stand behind this story. Instead, they kind of double down and just continue on as if the story isn't under this kind of pressure. I think that that's a very old school way of handling.
2: I think they buried the lead there too, right? With how the one girl's story changed. I think it was in the fifth paragraph. That's right. Oh, Rather that's than so- correcting yeah. the
1: first story, they included a detail in the subsequent story and it was, it was, it was buried. Yeah. yeah. Anything else that you were able to find about CTV's reporting that you think is curious or
2: dubious? Well, how much time they gave Patrick might've been questionable for how serious these allegations were and how much time they spent on the story. I yeah. don't know if, I guess there are no real rules for how how much time you give someone to respond, right? But I know that his aides, they they had heard about that the story was coming out uh, days prior, right? So
1: Right. Somebody told me this week, well, best practices are if somebody's facing serious allegations, give them three days. Of course, this is all completely arbitrary. You know, the law is pretty new on this. Part of the responsible communications defense that journalists uh, have when they're accused of libel, which uh, CTV may be in in need of making this case, is, okay, uh, how much time, you know, you have to give the other side a chance to respond. How much time did you give them? And one mitigating factor is, well, we didn't give them that much time because of the, um, the, you know, timeliness of news is uh, on our, you know, you, you can make a case that this was timely news that people had to have. I am certain that one thing that CTV took into consideration is, as soon as you show Patrick Brown what you have on him, In order to get his response he is immediately going to have to figure out uh, his political strategy in terms of dealing with it and if you allow him three days to get ahead of the story your scoop is is done you're not going to have the opportunity to break that news yeah
2: those all of those uh character witnesses and people that he brought forward three three weeks later Mm -hmm. um he probably would have done that in the if they had given him more time, right? So then uh it could have maybe killed their story.
1: Part of that too is uh CTV says yes, yes we gave him like only hours notice, but he did not ask us for more time, which he could have done.
2: Yeah. He he just decided to have an emergency press conference, right? Like he didn't he didn't request for more time, but his lawyer said that at least he demanded they not run it. I don't know if he asked for more time or or what exactly as the lawyer said. But
1: Okay, well, we'll move on. I, I, yeah. I think that it's obvious that there's more to what happened under the hood of how this sausage got made. Is that a good way to mix metaphors, sausage and, and a car? Yeah. yeah, I'm happy with that. Um, it'll probably come out in time, and, and uh, depending on whether or not this lawsuit goes forward, we may, we may or may not learn all of it. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Paying bills is something that everybody has in common, whether it's rent, cell phone, tuition, or property taxes. You can pay your property taxes with Paytm Canada. You can just kind of like those things that weigh on us, like I have to pay this and I forgot to pay that and did I pay that? You can just get it done. You're going to have to do it anyhow, and that that horrible impulse you have to put it off ends up costing you money. If you handle it through Paytm Canada, not only are you not going to get dinged by those fees, but you will actually Get money. You'll get up to 15% cash back on Canada's most popular brands. You get a card for Amazon or Best Buy or something like that. You'll also get $10 just for signing up. Go ahead and download Paytm Canada onto your phone. As soon as you sign up with the Canada Land code, you get $10 in Paytm cash. Put it right towards a bill payment. Okay, so this part was, was really the most interesting thing for me to watch, which was Patrick Brown, after like just crumpling like a Kleenex instantly like you know which no. I was there for you I, were there for that first it, yeah. that, that disastrous yeah. run down the stairs
2: you can actually see me in a lot of the pictures of when he's running away I'm right next to him I was outside, distracted actually. by
1: his his gaunt just absolute defeat I mean it, it just seemed yeah. like my staff has left you got me even even as he was denying it it just felt like this was the most like the entire campaign had just been waiting for this to come out and, 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 and as soon as it came out everyone abandoned him and he just folds and then three weeks later, he is back with a vengeance. And that cliche is merited. He yeah. was back with a vengeance, and he was back prepared. I'm going to play um, – I'm going to get very, like, detail-oriented here. Okay. Because uh, there's a lot of different things he came forward with. But uh, to me, the most interesting one was this interview, this feature Fireside Chat interview with Carolyn Jarvis at Global News. Because if you watch the full 26 minutes, which I don't imagine many people did – you get the sense that he's trying to remember lines. He repeats the same phrases again and again. He's, this yeah, it was is
2: very, very rehearsed, right? Like very rehearsed. Yeah, very yeah. moderated in his speech. Yes, Took long pauses, right, in certain areas. Uh, yes,
1: he wasn't even trying to hide the strings. I think there was an idea of like. This full interview is not the document. There are going to be some pull quotes from this that are going to make their way around, and I want to control what those pull quotes are. Um, Carolyn Jarvis has come under fire for giving him a softball interview. A lot of people have said that. I'm not going to dump on her here because I, I feel like he had three weeks and crisis management... Uh, re- rehearsals, careful, careful strategy, all for this moment. Yeah,
2: and he's a seasoned politician. He's, he's a seasoned been a politician, politician since he's 22, fighting right? Fighting so, for his
1: life, yeah. and is coming into this like I've healed, I'm ready, I've got my story straight. I don't know if she had a day or hours to prepare her accountability interview with him. I think she did her best. Um, I can definitely think of things she should have asked, but yeah, that's easy to say well, after but, the fact. Yeah. So here's here's the the first thing he said that made me think like, okay, here we go.
3: Thanks for taking the time to meet with me. Well,
1: thank you for the opportunity to tell my story. Thank you for the opportunity to tell my story. I mean, every single reporter on this across the country has been banging down his door since it broke for the past three weeks, giving him that opportunity. Please tell your side of the story. Glenn McGregor and Rachel Ayo at CTV, they, they, before he had his press conference, said, will you tell us your side of the story? The idea that like now finally someone's given me the opportunity to tell my side of the story is like we're in, we're in spin city right from the get-go. yeah. I have put together a little supercut here of a trope uh, that <laughs> didn't, doesn't matter what he was asked, <laughs> this is what he came down to. Patrick Brown has female family members.
3: I've got two younger sisters who uh, I adore. I've got a family I adore. Uh, late grandmother, my maternal grandmother, uh, had been a blue coat, which is a volunteer at the hospital. And so my job every summer was to raise funds for the hospital and that became my passion. My grandmother, uh, my paternal grandmother, Uh, where I promised her I would be uh, married by the age 40, and I'm 39. My mother um, said that my younger sisters followed everything that I did. Um, And she asked me, um, she said, if I started drinking, your sisters will follow you. And she asked me um, to promise her I wouldn't drink. Um, And I didn't.
0: I love that last one
1: because it was in response to this question of like, so you're like this guy approaching your 40s and you're hanging out with these women who are like 20, maybe younger, and they're drinking and you're not. Explain yourself. Well, my dear old mom... (laughs) Told me never to drink, and that's why I'm the guy. Like any question yeah. was answered with, "Well, my sis, well, my aunt Gerda, you know." And, and this was echoed in his public appearances with his sister by his side. Obviously, both his sisters, yeah. both his sisters. Yeah. Surrounding yourself with women is like, I guess, supposed to be some kind of like, "Oh wow, if some women will stand next to him, I guess he couldn't have done these things."
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the impression I got too. Uh, and now we know that he does date very young women, right, from the report from today.
1: Yeah, uh, people are hearing this on Thursday. On Wednesday, the Toronto Star got a comment from his uh, apparently current on again off again girlfriend. It was kind of unclear, and she was saying what a great guy he is. The allegations are totally untrue. She is 23.
2: She's 23 now. Uh, yeah, and they they couldn't confirm when they started dating, but she was also one of his former staffers in Ottawa. So,
1: last thing on this one interview is you know, he's in the weeds about these specific allegations and other absolute lies. And he has these details to pick them apart, but okay, dude, big picture here. What's the deal with you and these like 20 year old women. And this is what he has to say about that. I have had my,
3: I've loved, I've had my heart broken. I think like everyone has, I've been in a number of relationships that have lasted two or three years, uh, where I have loved deeply and I've been hurt, uh, uh, deeply. Uh, My younger sister, Stephanie, has three young boys. There's nothing more that I would like to settle down and have kids and raise a family um, and meet the the love of my life. I have uh, dated girls in their 20s. I have dated girls in their 30s. And I have dated girls older than me uh, in their 40s.
1: Uh, What's up with you chasing after 20-year-old women? Well, I date girls in their 40s. (laughs) He then spent the ensuing days dropping... New juicy bit after new juicy bit to receptive media sources, including something, you know, one of these was that he passed a lie detector test twice. And I'm immediately thinking, like, beyond the fact that lie detector tests are notoriously unreliable, who oversaw this? Like, if his lawyer set up the lie detector test, what if you had failed it? Then you just don't bring it to the media. I mean that's sort of like a, a no lose proposition. Yeah. It's a foolproof. We'll take the lie detector test. If you pass it, we'll, we'll 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 place that in the media, and that was just sort of one of many. A lot of the stories were sort of exculpatory things, and others were just kind of like he. Hasn't... Or on the
2: face of it, they looked exculpatory, right? Like yes, inten- yeah.
1: the intention was, was was to exculpate him from this. Uh, that's an important distinction. Others were just kind of like throwing chum in the water, like oh he didn't really quit, oh he did really quit. And I realized something that I'm like, he's getting so much press and the volume of material about everything that happened after the allegations is now outweighing the allegations themselves. Uh, and this is working. You know, uh, Who's going to sit through the 26-minute interview and have the same skepticism that I think any rational person would have? Like, That's like kind of a boring thing to sit through. You just sort of get battered about the face with all of these different conflicting accounts. At a certain point, it doesn't even matter that they're not all pro-Patrick Brown and then he sort of paved the way for when ensuing scandals really broke out I mean the Globe and Mail had a story like there are currently three different Patrick Brown scandals (laughs) that under a different circumstance any one of which could have taken down a candidate there's this like that's this is an airtight Globe and Mail story that I haven't heard a counter narrative to that he was involved in this $375,000 transaction with uh, Jazz Johal who later
2: Became what? the candidate for a Brampton riding, right?
1: And and he says, well, the deal never went through.
2: <laughs> why was the deal ever struck? That's though?" Right. That's what Is I want. yeah that the bar? Uh, yeah. Like,
1: why were you making this deal? And then there's a record of a $375,000 uh, deposit Tr- yeah. in his account. A month later. Which, so. And he says the deal didn't go through. Uh, I mean, that could have cost him his candidacy. Then this whole thing about the fraudulent uh, memberships, uh, allegedly fraudulent memberships. Yeah. Um, but there's been so much chaos in this story that it all just kind of gets lost in a haze. And and I I remember <laughs> that before all this happened, Patrick Brown's biggest problem was that nobody knew who Patrick Brown was. <laughs> you know, he couldn't get any press for the life of him.
2: Yeah, I mean, now, now he uh, can't... It's getting endless press, right? Like I I heard a reporter today say that out of all the press clippings that they had collected from the last day, uh, I think 29 stories were about Patrick Brown and one was about actual other news within Ontario politics. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, this, the fact that we're talking, I mean, we've never done this before, talk about nothing, nothing but one story on shortcuts. And it's not to say that this is the most important thing that's ever happened, but I've never seen, you know, the the beat of of Canada Land is the media. And I've never seen a story under which the media has been used, abused, tested, blamed. I think the implications of this are massive. What Patrick Brown is doing in assaulting CTV as yellow journalists, and, and, and you know what he's asking people to believe uh, in that CTV is either in on it or we're duped by some sort of conspiracy, is to really take a shot at the integrity of the news itself in a way that feels like nothing but Trump's attack on CNN.
2: Yeah, I think the there is a, a distinction, though, in pa- the way Patrick Brown's uh, PR strategy of attacking CTV is different than in Trump's case is he's he says that what they did was yellow journalism but there are very there are lots of good reporters out there right i'm yeah. assuming they're all the the reporters that have done these uh counter stories that came out last last week but
1: right toronto sun uh, those are the good guys and uh yeah, yeah i uh, he's paid some lip service so he's not he's not coming after the media writ large but then he would just sound like a maniac um he, he's, yeah. he's specifically coming after ctv before we move on, uh, because there's so much haze and contested information, there are some, as they say in the courts, like, uh, that we can have an agreed statement of facts. Like, what are the, what are the points of which no one is disputing? Uh, when it comes to Patrick Brown and young women, we know that Patrick Brown, in addition to being this career-driven politician who doesn't drink, for some reason, is a almost 10% owner of a restaurant called Hooligans that used to be a nightclub.
2: Yeah. And he used to frequent that, that nightclub as well before, right? right? Like, which is kind of odd. It's kind of odd. A guy
1: who doesn't drink and who's this workaholic politician was hanging out at this nightclub and later a restaurant and became at some point a co-owner of it. We know that there's no, there's no contest about that. And we know that, you know, it wasn't just these, uh, these women saying these things to CTV. These women did show CTV emails and exchanges that Patrick Brown had with them and,
2: at least one did right yeah,
1: yeah. i guess so yeah uh, uh but this has sort of gotten lost in the shuffle even though they reproduced it um and it's this message from patrick brown you know here it is like his social media message uh, uh, i think this is like a facebook message and this is from november 2nd 2012 at eleven twenty-one p.m writing to one of these young women are you impressed i remembered your name i am lol i normally have zero memory still not sure why you look so familiar <laughs> I know we've met before, just not sure where. He mentions uh, the bank, his restaurant. If you ever need to skip a line in downtown Barry, just text me and provides his phone number. He is obviously on the make. I mean, is yeah. that, like, I don't think he's contested that, that he was... Uh, has he? I mean, it, I guess when you say absolute lies, maybe you're saying none of this ever happened, but I don't think that anyone's saying that this is a forgery. No. Um, we, we do know that Patrick Brown would pursue young women... Uh, we do know that they would drink and he wouldn't. We do know that uh, at least two of these women he, he would work with. And, and sometimes he would invite them to come take a job uh, or one of them, the the, the girlfriend in the star today had the job and then became his girlfriend. So that blurring of the lines and that, that power imbalance, we know that. That's a fact, right?
2: Yeah, it is.
1: Graham, one thing you were able to untangle for us is uh, I think relevant information. You know, when Patrick Brown, claimed that he had proof that this was all a pack of lies, he presented a lot of uh, witnesses to refute aspects of these allegations. What was not widely reported, uh, and some of it I don't think was reported at all before you did, was his connection to these witnesses. Can you talk a bit about that?
2: Yeah, sure. So I I believe in the Toronto Sun story, he he was granted anonymity or uh, he was a confidential source. So Brown described him as an acquaintance, but it turns out that this guy actually worked for Brown for four years, and uh, I was able to find some previous tweets where he he also called him a friend. So uh-huh. I think they were they're much closer at least at one point in time.
1: Presented as an exculpatory witness, who yeah, right, is is a has a friendship with Brown.
2: Especially when it, w- it was pointed out that he was good friends with the accuser at the time, too, right?
1: I see. Because it, it presented as quite damning that this that this f- supposed friend of the accuser would contradict the accuser's story. Yeah. But then and, you find out that there's, there's sort of warring uh, allegiances there. Yeah.
2: And she already had a corroborating uh, witness, right, that uh, remembers her calling after the, the incident happened and she lived in the same neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing... Brown at one point was saying, "Oh, I, I didn't have a bedroom door at the place I was living at the time." But it turned out that it was actually the second accuser that mentioned that detail. He conflated the two in his, yeah, his, he, uh, in his in proof it, that it was yeah. all lies. Uh huh. Yeah. So and then and then there were three other witnesses that were brought forward in relation to the other accuser. One of these uh, was his alleged uh, girlfriend at the time, right? Michaela Patterson, and she's a longtime friend. I think they're still close. Uh, The Sun made that clear. The second character witness in the Global News report, he was mentioned as the manager of the bank at the time. And it it wasn't made clear that he appears to have a business partnership with Brown now Uh uh, because on his Facebook page, he's promoting hooligans, uh, the restaurant. and he seems to either work there or have some. Uh, association with the restaurant, right? Like some ownership to it. So,
1: you know what, Graham? I, I think that like a lot of people, it's like, who gives a fuck? You know, like these these yeah. details about whether somebody at a bar in Barrie saw Patrick. Did he buy the drink? Did he not buy the drink? At a certain point, I think you know your average news reader glazes over. And yet, I think that what you did in your report for us and and in this conversation here is important because Patrick Brown, after presenting this really problematic defense with, I think, some really serious vulnerabilities and then going on to just fill the media in, in this, uh, you know, shitstorming of, of uh, stories about Patrick Brown, Patrick Brown, this and that. He then basically just by fiat declares, and now I have cleared my name.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And in this audacious move, is like, now that that's behind me, back to becoming premier. This is this moment of great fog and confusion where we, we it's really necessary to scrutinize this thing he's put together upon which to base that.
2: Yeah, well, just as he pushed back on the, the original CTV report, I think it's important now that there's some pushback or scrutiny placed on all of the reports that uh, his friends were included in, right, uh, from last week that puts those two accusers stories into question right or attempted to at least
1: journalists beware because I have been shopped information that hasn't checked out on this story. I have seen tweets alleging all sorts of other things on both sides. The social media response to this, there is like a legion of Patrick Brown supporters who I think are just amped up by this whole drama. There's others who have dubious accounts that I don't know where that like numbered accounts with like three tweets to them. Uh, I've been shopped and uh, this information about the uh, interim leader, Fideli, Vic Fideli, that he, you know, there's this, uh, this memo that made the rounds and that, um, this one uh, gentleman on Twitter, James DeFiore, uh, went with and, and posted, which claims to be from a lawyer representing a woman who has some allegations against Fidelity. And this is out there in the public sphere. Yeah. Obviously, there was an attempt to get this into the mainstream press. I was immediately suspicious. Uh, I mean, anything's possible, but, you know, names redacted at the timing of it, uh, a takedown attempt at Fidelity. W- were you able to poke that at all?
2: Uh, well, I was shocked that story as well. Uh, And I had it, like, a day before uh, James ended up tweeting it out. Um, And I had received it from someone in in Brown's camp, right? So I was a bit suspicious. And on top of that, I only had screenshots, right? So uh, I didn't have carbon copies. But I was able to confirm from the intended recipient that she she was sent that information from the lawyer. Uh Uh-huh. So... I've been trying to reach out to the lawyer and I'm sure many other reporters have too, but apparently she's on vacation right now. So no one's been able to reach reach her, but make of it what you will. Uh, yeah. The the other thing too is that drafted press release uh, was dated January 30th. So yeah, that was shortly after Vic Fideli took over, right? Uh-huh. So uh-huh. the timing is a little bit suspicious.
1: I mean, it is so unpleasant out there. I remember it was Andrew Coyne tweeted when the Globe had their story about the three hundred seventy five thousand dollars deal that didn't go through or did like not the other shoe drops but like a bag of shoes drop like, <laughs> like if you're kind of like suspecting that this guy is tainted goods as a candidate you're like hello and then you're like yeah. hello <laughs> you know yeah. and at a certain point you start to look like a like a like a crazy person like is anybody seeing what I'm seeing and then the other camp is fueled by that because it's thrilling for uh patrick brown supporters to see everyone lose their minds over this all the right thinking people are saying and again again like have you no shame sir for the love of god step down Uh, but is this
2: not deja vu for toronto in a way right like (laughs) yeah
1: yeah i keep going back to trump but you got a point it's memories of the ford uh like it's the exact same dynamics uh, and it's all it's all playing out in real time in front of us
2: yeah uh another thing to note i think is uh The private investigators that Brown has hired, too. Uh, I want to ask you about this. uh, I've heard denials that this guy's working for Brown, but he seems to be fixated on uh, CTV's reporting. And he's claiming that he's also received some tape. I don't know if it's just audio. The Lisa Laflam
1: tape, the alleged uh, Lisa So what's his uh, name again?
2: Derek Snowdy.
1: Derek Snoddy yeah. on Twitter has been. He has a
2: long checkered past too. If you, if you look him up, uh,
1: as a political operative
2: uh, or a pro- private investigator, I believe, but mostly working but it, working circles and yes, opposition yeah. research. Yeah,
1: and he's essentially saying, uh, if I have it right, tell me if I got this right, that he has audio tape uh, of Lisa Laflamme, CTV's anchor, coaching one of the accusers,
2: coaching or maybe yeah, prodding her towards saying that she's underage.
1: If he had that why doesn't he just post it?
2: That's what I'm <laughs> I'm trying to answer. Uh, I'm, my guess is maybe he's shopping it around. He's shopping uh, it around
1: in public. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Nobody looks to me for uh, political analysis for handicapping an election race. Nobody asked me what I'm going to offer. I I think he's going to win. I don't know. Like yeah. I I just feel like this is suddenly uh, an exciting narrative for people in a way like that was what was lacking at the beginning of this was that he was sort of this unappealing and unknown figure.
2: He made, he kind of made a purpose to just be in the shadows too, right? I think he was planning to just kind of coast, coast to victory, right? Like,
1: sure, that's all he had to do was stand there and not yeah. have anything happen and the anti-Kathleen win uh, sentiment would probably push him into office, but that's no longer an option. I think he's going to... He, I don't know. I think, he, I think he could get there this way. What do you think?
2: Uh, I'll, I'll push back on it. Um, his political manifesto that he came out with late last year is actually fairly left-wing mm-hmm. and it also advocates for a carbon tax, right? And he did a lot of this without consulting the base right so I don't know how popular he'll actually be now with the people that matter right now right which is uh, PC members so
1: well you're talking about policy all I know about is optics <laughs> <laughs> Graham thank you so much
2: thanks for having me on Jesse
1: okay that is your Canada Land shortcuts and you can email me about it at jesse at I read everything you send me we are on Twitter at Canada Land Graham where can people find you
2: Uh, They can find me at Graham C. Gordon. And you're a Uh, -A G-R-A-E-M-E, Graham. Yes, thanks for pointing that out. I forgot.
1: Graham C. Gordon. Like Canada Land on Facebook and your reward will be our news stories in your Facebook news feed. We also have uh, RSS. You can just subscribe to our news feed or check out our website, CanadaLandShow.com. Syndication is by CFUV, 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at CFUV.ca. And if you like what we do, please support us on
0: Patreon.